Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm Wes Moss, and I am here to help a million people retire earlier while enjoying the adventure along the way. To reach that many folks takes the work of more than just me or one person. And I have a fantastic team behind the Retire Sooner podcast. And I've decided to bring them in to help address some of the questions and topics that you've sent us. You're about to hear from my team members with answers that can hopefully help Americans retire sooner and happier. And I'd love for you to be one of them. Let's get started. Today, we are here with the longest running member of the Retire Sooner team, Ryan Ely. He has worked with Wes Moss since 2007 and acted as his radio producer since Wes first went on air at WGST prior to moving to WSB here in Atlanta. He's also a senior investment advisor at Capital Investment Advisors and an active member of our investment committee. Ryan keeps a close pulse on the economy, which is why we've brought him in today to talk about the hottest financial topic of the day, inflation. Thank you so much for coming in. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. So excited to have you. When I think of you, I sometimes I think of the show, I'm going to be really honest, which is Westworld. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one of the best. All right. So the whole thing with Westworld is that you get the option when you go in to play the good guys or the bad guys. And Ryan, I have to know, would you be playing the good guys, the white hats or the black hats, the bad guys? Yeah, I feel like, um, you know, at my core, I think I'd I'd be a white hat. Um, But, you know, if you're going to Westworld after like a terrible market run, you know, maybe you throw a black hat on. I don't know. I, I assume you get to go more than once. It's like Disney World for rich people. Surely, surely. Also, I love that idea. Just let off a little bit of steam. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Now, I, I think I'd be a white hat. Um, you know, it seemed so innocent and fun that way. That, that keeps me out of the the bad parts of Westworld, I feel like. So. That's true, that's true. You would get in a lot less trouble if you just stick with the white hat route, I'm pretty sure. But at the same time, I mean, I gotta say, whenever you, you think about like old Western, um, your favorite folks on there, it's always it's always the outlaws. That's what I would say. I'd probably play the black hat just because I would be so, I, I'd want to be like the, the who's a good example? Um, Billy the Kid, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It just seems like fun. Yeah, uh, it is, it is. But again, you know, at the end of the day, the, all those stories are written by the people that won, and I feel like the white hats always, always win. That is true. That is true. Good. I want to go home people. at the end of my Westworld experience. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> that is like a that's tough place a good to call. Get stuck. Yeah, yeah. It seems really scary. Well, listen, I won't keep you talking about movies and TV all day. I promise. Let's okay, let's we'll talk a little we'll bit. We'll do about that in another podcast. That sounds good. That sounds like a plan. But let's let's talk about inflation because that is something that, again. We hear it in the news headlines. We hear it in the hallways here. We definitely have people writing in, calling us, asking, what 
is happening with inflation. I, you know, you go to the grocery store and suddenly everything seems to be that much more expensive. Certainly, gas right now is continuing to rise, and used cars is one of those things that I don't even know if it counts, but I think it should. Like, you you can sell an old car now for it more counts. than you bought it for. Yeah, it's crazy. What? So so. All right. I think I think we just need to start. Let's start with the let's back it all the way up because I feel like when I start, first started hearing about inflation, I kept hearing transitory inflation. And at this point in time, and we're we're recording at about you know, earlyish December of 2021, um, you don't hear about that term as much. But I feel like we need to understand like where did it come from? What did it mean? And and is it still relevant? Yeah. So, um, you know, inflation is most of us see it and experience it and hear about it in the news. And what they talk about is the, the consumer price index, um, which is a an index that's released by the, the Bureau of Labor Statistics. It's a government index. Um, and it's really a, it's basically a survey of a bas- of people's spending habits, like a basket of goods and the price of those goods. And so uh, when COVID hit, um, and no one, and we had these unprecedented shutdowns. Uh, oh my gosh! If I never hear the word <laughs> unprecedented again, I will be very happy. Yeah, um, I, I think they're. I mean, unprecedented in my life, in in like the modern economy, the global economy since whatever that you know post World War II, right? Um, the inflation, that basket of goods, those prices got very wonky. There were you couldn't spend money on certain things um, like transportation. Transportation's 15% of inflation um, of that index, and, and the spending went to zero. So, yeah, yeah, nobody was getting on a plane, nobody was getting no, on a train. and No you know, planes, you, no you, trains, definitely no not mileage Ubers. on your car. Oh, yeah. yeah, 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 didn't have to go into the office. Yeah, and so, so people went from spending 15% of the annual inflation was... Like on, yeah, that's what the basket on, is, 15, wow. 16% wow. on transportation, and yeah. that goes to zero, and... Um, I mean, travel consumption, you, you had all this money from stimulus, but you couldn't even spend it. Right. I mean, there were a lot of things, uh, we all bought, I guess, new computers and iPhones and there was consumer spending. Zoom, Yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought that was going to be free forever. I was, I was incorrect there. Um, (laughs) but the, um, the basket of spending for consumers got, got, you know, um, really challenged and it Mm -hmm. became a really loud data set. And so the price of a lot of things started falling. Uh, early on in COVID. And then economic activity like went, you know, I mean, not to zero, but if you look at like the transportation services index, it went to a place it's never been before that measures all commercial and and, um, personal travel and transportation. So like movement of goods, movement of people, um, like multimodal, and it it went to a place it's never been. And so we had this huge deflationary shock. Mm. Right. And okay. and in the mon- in the system we live in today, that's a very dangerous thing to have. Was this when they were threatening that like negative interest rate over in Germany, right? Well, they're, they, they've had negative interest rates structurally there for a very long time um, in order to fight off deflation. Oh. Uh, so that's a strategy that other countries have used, you know, Japan, Germany. Um, because, again, the real threat is deflation really kind of ruins everything in the way that the world is set up today. So when we talk about inflation, normally in the last 20 years or so, we've talked about making sure we have a healthy level of inflation in the US economy. Well, COVID just threw it all on its head. Oil went negative. Remember oil prices were negative? Oh my negative? gosh, yeah, yeah. And they were like, weren't, wasn't it like something like people were buying 
oil futures and like they were going to be shipped huge containers of oil or something right, which crazy. is like it's you can't even store it it's so toxic yeah. you know like if they brought it to your house um much <laughs> can't less really just stick that on the backyard yeah. oh yeah that is not an um, amazon two-day delivery i'm guessing yeah the hoa is gonna probably get, get give you a letter about that but <laughs> yeah so so again wild things like things we've never seen unprecedented to use a word that you hate um <laughs> and then the recovery starts and consumer demand, um, because of the stimulus, because of a lot of the jobs program that kept people employed and kind of kept money moving through the system as much as it could uh, through COVID, um, which was a success by and large, but it, it resulted in the consumer having, you know, excess supply. The savings rate went, you know, I think into the 20s for a period of time. Well, hang on, because that sounds great to me. That's music to my ears. 20% uh, savings rates for everybody. Like, I think that that's actually what we encourage folks to do. Wait, so why why is that a negative? So the savings rate for the whole economy, you know, is normally in like the mid single digits. Um, and, and like the way you'd explain why saving too much money in our economic system is a bad thing is the, the paradox of thrift. Because oh, what does that mean? It means if, if nobody spends, you know, one man's spending is another man's income. Oh. Person spending is another person's income. Yeah. Um, so if nobody spends any money, you don't need any goods or services. Right? And we have a service-driven oh. economy. That's okay. the, the bulk of our economic activity in America is services. And when no one is able to provide services, this is a really negative thing for people's incomes in the long run. Okay. So the stimulus came the, the stimulus programs did a pretty good job of preventing the worst of the worst mm -hmm. because no one could earn like the service industry couldn't earn an income yeah. right you think yeah. of anyone everybody was shut restaurants down. entertainment disney world mm -hmm. no incomes there was income replacement coming out of that into the recovery that means that consumer demand what it led to is consumer demand is really strong like unexpectedly strong i don't know why people were that surprised listen to somebody who <laughs> loves her amazon prime subscription i can tell you i am all about a little spending here. So so the, I, the fact that people had more income and yep. a little bit more jingle in their pockets, and mm -hmm. then we were surprised that there was a ton of demand? I So call it, yeah, I don't think everyone was surprised. But um, <laughs> but you just, this is what, you know, when you, when you test a huge system like the global economy and the global supply know. chain, yeah. That's a and big the system. underlying assumption is that it's a 24-hour machine, right? It never stops moving, right? Shipments, cargo... From China, the boats, the planes, everything is always moving. That system is a huge, like, uh, wheel in the whole economic chain. Well, we turned it off. And turning it back on isn't as easy as we thought or isn't oh, as easy as you'd planned. That makes um, sense. And there's a not, like, one reason for that, but it's just, it's huge. It's a huge system. And we turned it off, and turning it back on has has come with some challenges because it doesn't happen all at once or in the same way, country by country, region by region. Mm, yeah, that makes sense because it's not, I guess it's not, you can't turn it all off on the same time and then all back on at the it's exact not a, same it's time. It's not a light switch. It's a bunch of different light switches in a bunch of different places. Actually, I think one of my favorite analogies I've heard about this is that it's like, it's not like flipping on a light switch and flipping off a light switch. It's like turning on stadium lights. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today, we're talking about inflation, and it's something that I know is on everyone's minds. But that said, sometimes it, I think it just really helps to have real-world examples where we're actually seeing it. So, Ryan, I, I'm hoping you've got a couple of stories for us. Well, yeah, I think um, the most relatable one um, for inflation would be, you know, back after um, after college in 2010, I, uh, me and a friend of mine rented in a two-bedroom apartment together in the middle of Buckhead, right? Mm-hmm. Great area. Mm-hmm. Very fun. In Atlanta. Yes. Very fun uh, at that age. And... Uh, we had a two-bedroom, nice big place, new, beautiful. Um, it was $1,350 per month for us to rent. Okay, hang on, hang on. Say that number one more time for me. $1,350, $1,350 a month. For a two-bedroom? Two-bedroom. All right, that's not terrible. It felt like a lot then. Uh, yeah, I believe that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so I'm looking today, I'm on the, the website for... The same apartment complex. It looks the exact same, um, and it's and it's ten years older now. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. It's oh, gosh, that might have been like two thousand nine. So yeah, yeah. So ten, eleven, twelve years ago, um, that same floor plan uh, is two thousand three hundred and ninety dollars. What? Yeah, seventy seven percent more expensive today to rent the exact same room in the exact same building in Buckhead. Um, as it was 10 years ago. And that that change, that delta between 2390 and 1350 is just inflation. Ouch. Um, and when we look at inflation as a metric, as an index, you know, the cost of living is 42% of inflation. Oh, wow. That's a huge amount of it. Absolutely. So it's a big driver of the overall index itself. Um, and, you know, 77% is a lot. Now that happened over you know, a decade or plus. So it's somewhere in the mid single digits per year, though. Yeah. The cost of living in, in that same unit, uh, that same building is, is going up five or 6% per year. That's wow. inflation. Well, and especially if you compare that with, you know, if you own a home and you've just locked yourself in for a 30 year mortgage, I can't imagine how painful that would be. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it does give, um, it's a good example of why retirees largely don't experience the full brunt of inflation because to your point, once you've purchased a home, um, and especially if you've paid off that home or just, you know, have a mortgage with a fixed rate and like most retirees or happy retirees, as we know, you know, they're at least our, within our five years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Within five years um, of, uh, re- of paying off the mortgage, you know, you have fixed that cost largely. Oh, yeah. yeah, you don't even have to pay it anymore. Then you're just worried about taxes. Yeah, and uh, exactly. Taxes and, and for a lot of retirees, your tax rate um, goes down. A lot of counties, especially in, in the metro Atlanta area, you stop paying the school tax portion of your property tax. You that's a, It's 50, 60, 70% of the whole bill. And that goes down as well. So wow, retirees and, like... and their experience with inflation is a, is different than what the headline number might, might have you believe. That's great. I feel like our listeners are really going to appreciate hearing that. I'm so glad to know that they have most likely a lot less pressure coming in for inflation from them. Now, now housing is obviously a big piece of it. Are there any other areas where people might be seeing significant inflation? Yeah, well, the two, the two biggest ones uh, in the last... 10 or really 5, 10, 15 years have been medical care, the cost of medical care and the cost of, of higher education, college tuition. 
those have risen like clockwork way in excess of the other components inside CPI. Um, but as a share of, of your wallet, they're a much smaller piece as well. So though the, they are inflating quicker, and, and everyone knows if you've helped a, a child or a grandchild or a great-grandchild with their education, it's, it's, uh, it is more, way more expensive uh, than it once was. But again, when you look at the percentage of your spending right, as in retirement that goes toward medical care and that goes toward uh, helping with higher education, it's a much smaller piece than housing at 42%. Okay. Okay. Well, so that's good news. That's good news for sure. Though still a little bit painful to hear. I, I know that those are two very, um, very important, important pieces of everyone's life. Yeah, they're very, they're, you know, they're very personal to people, I think, right? Yeah. Helping the next generation is a big goal for a lot of retirees, um, or being able to and having the capacity to help with things like college. Um, and then obviously medical care, um, is something that, um, all retirees eventually consume one way or another. Um, Medicare does a good job of managing that on the personal side, um, you know, once you get to age 65. But, um, you know, things like um, managed care and in-home care uh, and what you have to pay for, for those services, obviously, you know, there's been a lot of inflation there. But again, the good news for retirees is looking at the wallet share, looking at what percentage of your income you spend on those things, um, it's been, it's still a much smaller number than something like housing. Now, all right, speaking of wallet share, I'm going to throw myself under the bus here a little bit, but I'm uh, not a great cook, I'm going to be really honest, which means I go out to eat a lot. Um, and one of my favorite restaurants here in Sandy Springs, where our office is located, is, is Brooklyn Cafe. And you and I were talking about this the other day. So I think we have a very clear example there of where we're actually facing some significant inflation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So if if, uh, if you get the emails, which I'm sure, I don't know how many people listening to this do, but the steak sandwich is one of their best specials uh, for lunch. It's unbelievable. Oh, so good. So good. And um, for years, uh, well, since as long as I've been going there, so I don't know, for you know, 12 years, the um, it's a filet. It's like chopped up filet. That's why it's so sandwich, good. Oh, the sauce, the whole thing, delightful. Well, uh, we just learned that because the price of filets has exploded... Uh, so much. It's gone up so much um, here recently that it is now strip inside oh. the steak sandwich. Oh, and, you know what? I that mean, still delightful, but not right. what you expect. Not complaining. Um, <laughs> the prep is still delightful, but yeah, it, it what that it's an example of um, you know basically replacement spending. So oh. when the price of something is very inflationary and it happens quickly, um, it's very noticeable for a good like steak. You know, you buy something else. You buy a different type of steak. Um, so eventually, if the price of fillets comes back, and you know they can sell fillet profitably uh, without making it a, a you know forty eight dollar salad uh, or sandwich. Um, yeah, I'm not, not quite sure ready to spend that. To yeah, yeah, not a, not a lunchtime. Not a lunchtime. <laughs> That's right. Um, but another example is you know when you're in the grocery store and the price of apples doubles or triples, well, you, you buy more oranges, right? The reality is you adapt your behavior to what's happening with prices in the real economy. Um, and again, that's a way that uh, we as consumers and retirees very much included in that, you know, manage our spending um, and manage inflation and kind of navigate through it over time. Robert here with a quick answer to a question I heard recently. What is a P-E ratio and why do people reference it when investing? 
A P.E. ratio is price over earnings, and more specifically, price per share over earnings per share. So for example, if a stock trades at $50 and has earnings per share of $1, it has a P.E. ratio of 50. Why do people reference it when investing? Because typically the rule of thumb is a P.E. ratio that's very high, say 50, is an expensive stock, and a P.E. ratio of 10, for example, is an inexpensive stock. This is not always the case, but as a general rule of thumb, a high P.E. signals an expensive stock and a low P.E. signals an inexpensive stock. Today, we're talking about inflation. Can I ask you, what what do you, this is very speculative because as we all know here, we can never predict the future. Alas, if we could, we would oh. have so much more money. We would, well, yeah, we wouldn't. We wouldn't be here. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. We would be on a <laughs> private island. <laughs> yes. Yes. But um, but let, let's say you've got a crystal ball. Let's say you got a crystal ball. Where do you think that we are going to be? Do you, from this inflationary standpoint, do you think we're going to continue seeing things going up, or do you think that we'll hit more of maybe not necessarily the lows that we've seen in the past, but where do you think we'll land? Yeah. So. Um, on the one side of things, I am a big believer in the fact that the incentive for profits um, that come with high prices are the best fix for high prices. So in that way, I, I don't see that inflation, you know, absent resource scarcity, like pure resource scarcity, um, which back in the 70s when we had inflation, mm-hmm. you know, energy was a huge um, resource that was became scarce. Are we, we're um, talking about the oil, right? Oil. But, um, you know, a lot of that was driven by, by resource scarcity. So the, just the price of everything was going up um, because there truly wasn't enough of it to meet the demand at all. And in today's world, I guess one thing you, you see in inflation is the chip shortage is a little bit that way, but that the market is already moving to address that. And so you're seeing all these multi, multi-billion dollar investments in new chip building facilities, which are extraordinarily complex, uh, enormous. I mean, think about like building a oil refinery. Like it's so much money and it's so complex that very few people are actually end up doing it uh, or can't even have the capacity to. And so you're starting to see that investment in places like Phoenix and in Austin, where, uh, you know, the big chip manufacturers are investing for the future, because obviously more and more of these chips are in demand. I mean, this room probably, I don't know, has 100 microprocessors in it. I don't know. I think that's a easy lot. to say. We're, we're currently, just to paint the picture for our listeners here, we're currently sitting in the uh, the studio here at our office, the Retired Senior Studio, if you will. And uh, we've got we got a TV, three or four cameras, which we are not using, thank goodness, today. Um, but then, you know, we've got all of our podcasting equipment and two computers up right now. Yeah. And what? Yeah. A bunch of iPhones and Google phones. And so anyway, um, I do think that over time, the reason inflation doesn't stay very high is that we, our system is set up to address that. And it's the profit incentive for delivering goods that people demand will ultimately bring the price down. Um, Because that competition is, is, if not deflationary, it at least keeps people honest about what the real price of things are long term. Right? Okay. So you have this huge surge in demand for um, fridges and dishwashers. Uh, Well, I can tell you, Samsung and LG are going to deliver a ton of fridges and dishwashers, and they're going to get them to market, and then they're going to compete on price just like they always have. And the problem today is just that there aren't any at market, right? Mm, So as you start to restock the shelves 
and consumer behavior, you know, continues to return to normal, that's that natural competition is why I don't think we see inflation in the long run. The risk to that, again, this is why you can't perfectly predict the future, is just um, things like trade, trade relations and kind of the evolving world that is the relationship the U.S. has with China is really, uh, it's impossible to handicap. So if, you know, we have this trade, quote unquote, called it like a trade cold war on trade policy and it lasts for another 10 or 12, you know, 10 or 15 years or however long, um, I don't know, that's hard to handicap. And, and it does, it's not like we can bring back the means of production in for manufacturing to North America in like overnight, right? It's taken us like 40 or 50 years to get to where we are. Um, and it's not something that can be undone quickly. So that's the risk. I don't know, but my gut tells me that, that globally the incentive to make profits keeps prices in check and we don't see this ever rising, um, price ever rising prices. That's good. Well, hey, that is some comforting news because I feel like, you know, so many people just want to tell you, like, this is chicken little end of the world. We're going to have rising prices forever. It's, we're going to go back to those levels of the 70s we were talking about where I know things were crazy. Let me ask you, though, because I do think that people want to prepare, not necessarily for the very worst, because to your point, it seems like we're setting ourselves up a little bit better for to prepare for inflation. But how about like for the retirees now, how should somebody who is, especially like our listeners right now, these are folks who are, these are savvy people who understand finance. They are thinking about retirement. We are trying to help them retire just at least one year sooner than they originally planned. But what what did they need to do to prepare themselves in their portfolios and their savings for potentially inflation? Yeah. So it's a, it's a question we talk about in the investment committee um, and around here constantly, right? Because it, it has real implications for our clients and for um, anybody looking to retire. And, and ultimately, when we look at inflation and how an investment portfolio, that's, where, that's what we do, um, can hedge against it, you know, if you think about it really, really simply, if you're worried about inflation, you have to own the things that are inflating, Right. If it's a basket of goods and there are companies that are all publicly traded, not, you know, not every company is obviously, but companies that sell the goods that are inflating. And if those companies are doing a good job of managing their margins, it's effectively passing the price increases they experience on to their consumers. Um, what we found historically is that those types of um, companies uh, are the best hedge against inflation. And then, you know, assets like real estate, right, that inflate over time. Um, so the, yeah, like I said, the simple way to put it is if you think about it logically, if you're worried about inflation, you know, think about investing in things that are inflating. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. And good companies that manage margins in the face of that. All right. Well, it seems like you've got good news for us then when it comes to inflation and what our folks need to do. Essentially, just as long as they're staying invested, hopefully they're going to be doing all right. But of course, you know, as we like to say, we don't have a crystal ball. So everybody just keep your keep your ears to the ground and definitely keep listening to this podcast. Now, we are part of the Retire Sooner Network, which means that we know that life is about a lot more than just money. So I need to know, what is something that has made you happy recently? The Braves winning the World Series. Yeah, that's a pretty big one. Um, and... Uh, 
I just had Thanksgiving with my family up in Pennsylvania, and we were up uh, in the middle of nowhere in farm country, and we had four generations at the dinner table for turkey and a ham. Um, you gotta have a ham. Gotta have a ham, uh, which is pretty special. That made me pretty happy. Oh, that is special. That is really special. I love that. Good answer. Well, listen, thank you so much for joining us. This has been really interesting. If anyone has any additional questions for Ryan, wants to pick his brain on what's happening with inflation, and again, keeping up to date, you can reach him at westmoss.com. That's W-E-S-M-O-S-S.com. Just go to that contact page, fill it out, let us send us a little note letting us know you're looking to talk with Ryan, and we will make sure he finds it. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, y'all, this is Mallory with the Retire Sooner team. Please be sure to rate and subscribe to this podcast and share it with a friend. If you have any questions, you can find us at westmoss.com. That's W-E-S-M-O-S-S.com. You can also follow us on Instagram and YouTube. You'll find us under the handle Retire Sooner Podcast. And now for our show's disclosure. This podcast is provided to you as a resource for informational purposes only and is not to be viewed as investment advice or recommendations. This information is being presented without consideration of the investment objectives, risk tolerance, or financial circumstances of any specific investor and might not be suitable for all investors. It is not intended to and should not form a primary basis for any investment decision that you may make. Always consult your own legal, tax, or investment advisor before making any investment or financial planning considerations. Please refer to the full disclosure in the podcast description for any additional information information.